0: Are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. If you caught my Instagram stories a little while back, you might have gathered by now that I have a slightly unhealthy obsession with oat milk, and I can talk for days about how good it is. I actually discovered it back when my little girl Demi was a baby, and she had a dairy intolerance, and I just haven't looked back since. Then, when you add bananas into the mix too, well, don't get me started on those, because the amount of bananas that we go through each week in this house is nuts. So where is this all going? Well, today's guest on Pep Talk is All Good. So given my obsession with oat milk and bananas, I jumped at the chance to have these guys on the podcast. All Good are all about being good (laughs) surprising good for growers good for the land and good for you so these guys are searching the world for the best fair trade bananas mangoes and now oat milk as well and then bringing them back for kiwi families it's basically all about choice just giving us the choice of having a more ethical option that supports growers and the land So on the podcast this week we've got Faye. Faye is the general manager of All Good and she's going to tell us all about where All Good started and why, uh, the challenges of importing containers full of fresh bananas all the way around the world and of course the joys of launching their oat milk which was primarily a cafe product just three weeks before lockdown and of course all of the cafes shut We're also going to dip into a little bit of Faye's personal career and background and how she ended up as the GM of a banana company and a little bit of what she's learned along the way. So grab a banana or maybe an oat milk flat white like I would and get comfy for today's pep talk. Hi Faye, welcome to pep talk. Thank you so much for coming on for a chat about the all good story. How are you going?
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really good, thanks. How about you?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. Nice sunny day. And um, Faye was just telling me, everyone, before we started recording, that she's working from home today and that she lives on Waiheke Island. So I imagine it's pretty beautiful there.
1: Yeah, I feel like we have a bit of a microclimate over here, so it's always a couple of degrees warmer and it's always pretty sunny, so
0: pretty lucky. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. And do you catch the ferry to work when you go in? Obviously, yeah, catch the ferry. What a what way, way, to, way get to get to get work! Eh? That's dream. I
1: know it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice commute. To be honest, it's better than sitting in traffic. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can't complain. I love that. And then, so before we kind of get into the story, we always warm up on pep talk with some this or that questions. So I don't know if you've heard these before, but don't worry, cause they are really not serious at all. Um, as you're, you're probably <laughs> tell okay. from, from the first one, first one um, um, which, which is, is toilet roll over or, over or, under. or under? Over. <laughs> you have <laughs> to think about that. Is that I, like
1: uh, a, is that a yeah. staunch yeah. thing or? Yeah, no, no, no. I was just like, oh, what is it? And then I was like, no, definitely over. Or under. Doesn't really a bit bother me.
0: <laughs> Some people get really fixated on that, though. Yeah. Like it can be a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All right, right next up, we we've we got, got new people, people or old mates? mates. Ooh, uh, old mates. Nice. <laughs> cool. And then pancakes or waffles? Oh, pancakes. <laughs> Do you get to have pancakes very often? Uh,
1: yeah, I make banana pancakes, actually um of course you do yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) I'm sure you've got a great recipe
1: yep definitely
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then last one we've got plan ahead or wing it
1: plan ahead definitely if you
0: ask anyone that knows me I love a plan (laughs) same (laughs) yeah I guess not surprising for you being a general manager I imagine you have to do quite a lot of planning in your life yeah Cool. All right. Well, we're going to hear all about that because now that we've kind of warmed up a bit, we're going to dive in. And I think at first it'd be really cool to hear about your own background before we kind of move into the business, because I'm always interested and a little bit nosy about that as well. Um, so for everyone listening, like you've kind of had a little bit of Faye is the general manager of All Good. Uh, and I'm interested to hear like what your roles or study and things like that, that led you up to where you are and the role you're in now. What's that all been like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been a massive uh, learning experience, probably my, my education and, and career to date. So I finished, like I kind of, you know, grew up in a pretty like normal household, I think, whatever normal is. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, kind of worked through school and always, you know, started working from at the age of 15. My first job was actually in an ice cream shop. And to this day, I can't eat ice cream anymore because oh, no. I literally just, it just... <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot consumed in in that year and a half that I worked there. Um, Never again. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I guess that kind of the, the ice cream thing kind of sparked my passion for food and I've always really loved um, food. I've loved baking. And so I kind of then went into working in hospitality in the weekends in a cafe. Um, and then when I left school, I did seventh form when I left school I just didn't really know what I wanted to do and I thought that I would take a year off um to decide and I just actually worked at a company that sold um like kitchenware equipment to the hospitality industry um so I worked there for a year and then I was like actually no I do uh, I do want to go to university because I really want to be able to learn more and then be able to kind of implement that and work out what it is I actually want to do as a career. Um, and so I enrolled in a Bachelor of Business at Massey in Albany, so I've, I've grown up in Auckland. Um, and I was doing it for about six months and it's quite funny because given that I work as a GM now, the, I actually did six months of a Bachelor of Business and actually really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Um, and then I actually um, met a boy and moved to Sydney with him. So that kind of like I basically just left uni and was like, I'm I'm just going to go live in Sydney. And I did that for a year, and then it was just kind of. I think I just was like, actually, I do want to go to uni. And I'm not saying that you need to go to uni to um, to you know have a career, but I I went back to New Zealand and enrolled in a Bachelor of Communications um and majored in management and it was really interesting so i was 21 i think when i went back to uni so i like people actually considered me like a mature student i felt like the old <laughs> person in the lectures and i'm like hey 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 i'm wow. only like 3 or 4 years older than you yep. so i did 2 years of that full time and then um i really wanted to get out into the workforce so i then uh decided to study part-time via correspondence. So I added an extra year. Um, instead of doing my last year, I split it over two years by correspondence and then I worked full-time. And I think that was probably the first um, time in my life where I really had to kind of really manage my time incredibly well because I felt like I'd just started a new job at a digital agency, so I was obviously wanting to prove myself there whilst always try- um, also trying to kind of complete my degree.
0: Mm, That's
1: busy. Yeah. So I worked there for about 18 months and then uh, finished my degree and moved into a role at a company called Working In. And it was um, basically a company that kind of was the conduit between um, brands who were rec- recruiting in New Zealand and candidates overseas that wanted to kind of migrate to New Zealand. So basically, we would hold um, these big expos in the UK, in Canada, in South Africa um, to recruit um, people back to New Zealand. So, you know, those kind of uh, hard to fill um, roles that um, companies were, you know, looking. Um, to fill that they couldn't potentially fill in New Zealand so that I was working as the e-commerce manager there which and it was it was such a great role I had an incredible boss and she really mentored me and upskilled me and supported me but then obviously the the GFC um, and no jobs so no one was really recruiting so the business had to really pivot around um, the offering that they had um, and it focus more then on actually the whole migration package as a whole. So, um, you know, information about housing and, um, you know, just basically how to move to New Zealand. So um, after that, so I was there for about three and a half years, I moved to London. um, And I just loved London. I was there for nearly four years and it was just an incredible experience. I just You know, it was so much fun and it's just, I think, you know, there's so many Kiwis over there, you tend to just basically all hang out together. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, so when I was over there, I started working at a digital agency and after about three months, I decided that I wanted to have a bit of a career change. And because I've always had this love of food and um, at the time baking, I then Um, applied for a role as a um, kind of manager of a cupcake shop, well, a cupcake brand called Primrose Bakery. So they had, at the time, they had two sites and then it was a third. Yeah, and I just, oh gosh, I just loved it. I lived and breathed everything of that business. Um, And, you know, I learned a lot about how to run a small business. But after six months, I kind of felt that my skills and experience in kind of marketing and branding could actually add a lot more value to the business so i then transitioned out of that role into a um, marketing manager and business development role and i just loved working there it was just just everything about it i was like how can anyone be unhappy with cake you know like it's (laughs) it's such a and people have cakes for so many different occasions and you know, it was really interesting kind of the different type of customers that would come into, say, the Primrose Hill store versus the Covent Garden and just kind of understanding what their needs are. We didn't have an e-commerce offering when I started, and so I implemented that. So it was just making sure that the brand remained relevant. Yeah. Um, and then moved home, moved back to New Zealand, and I continued to work from New Zealand for a bit for Primrose Bakery because I literally just couldn't let go. (laughs) Um, And then um, I made a really interesting decision in terms of um, the next step in my career. So I actually uh, took a role as a digital specialist at, at Burger King. Which for me at the time was quite interesting because I, um, I think back in the day, you know, I was probably a keen fast food eater, but when, you know, coming back to New Zealand where I felt like there was actually such a big focus on health and wellness, you know, I really started to learn more and understand more about food and just kind of, um, you know, the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to live. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting decision. And I guess one of the reasons that I went for the digital role was because when I was in London, I did some more study. I did a diploma in um, digital media and branding, which was super interesting. Um, and again, that was just uh, via correspondence while I worked. I think I'm just a sucker for punishment because every time I do it, I'm like, yes, yes. And then actually understand um, what's involved. But. Yeah, so I, I worked at Burger King for three and a half years and I was um, digital specialist and then um, brand and digital manager by the time I left. And that was such an incredible learning experience. It, I mean, I just don't think I would have got the, um, I guess, the kind of learning opportunities and mentorship that you get in kind of a larger business than I would potentially in a smaller business and I mean it was hardcore, you know, like it was um, kind of everyone was there to work really, really hard and I guess, you know, it made me really open my eyes up to kind of um, how businesses operate.
0: Yeah, and like a totally different scale even to, yeah, what you've been doing before.
1: Absolutely. Global scale as well. Yep. And, you know, I I felt really lucky for the opportunities that I had when I worked there um, and just how much I grew um, professionally in that three and a half years. Um, and then I actually got approached about a role with All Good. And it was so interesting because when I came back from London, I made this list of... Um, What am I looking for in a job? And I'd made all these little bits of criteria. Now, Burger King hadn't exactly ticked all those boxes, but at the time I was like, okay, I think, you know, it's fine. Literally when I heard about, was approached about the all good job, I then was like, wow, this is pretty much ticking everything on my list. And I guess I had, there was this kind of internal tension with myself between working for a brand like Burger King, which was amazing, but that didn't really sit within my value set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with All Good, I was literally just blown away. And I remember the interview process. I think I had four interviews and I was just like, oh my gosh, if I don't get this, like it's just has me kind of ridden all over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so then I I got the role and it was initially it was a marketing manager role Mm -hmm. um that was about three and a half years ago and then I just went to GM of marketing and then just before Christmas um transitioned into the GM role yeah
0: so what was what prompted the change from the marketing focus into the broader GM role was it just felt like the natural next step for you so I actually um
1: being a GM is not necessarily something that I had originally kind of um wanted to do I was very much focused on marketing I want to do marketing that's kind of you know what I'm passionate about and I guess there was a lot of things that I was doing in the in the GM of marketing role anyway that kind of would sit across a GM role and our team is so small that people wear many hats so it was kind of just that that natural progression and now that I'm doing that role I just love it you know like there's so many learning opportunities in the business for me and so many different people in the, the business. So the three founders, you know, that that all have separate skills that add so much value. So yeah, it's definitely a journey though. Like I'm learning stuff every day. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll kind of just continue to learn. I did go back to uni last year to, to start my <laughs> masters. <laughs> to start my masters and then um i was like maybe this is just actually not the best time because we're just about to launch yeah we're just
0: about to launch oat milk and really cool to hear that how that's progressed for you and kind of where you've ended up now and how you've brought together your skills but also your values to kind of land in this all good role that's everything about you so i loved hearing about that um and i think it would be cool as well to hear a bit about the all good story and where that all came from so it's a while ago now that the the three founders that you've mentioned started it maybe you can take us a bit uh, through a bit about like why and how um they started it and if it's changed much over the years
1: yeah definitely so um as you said it was three founders so it was um matt and chris morrison their brothers and then simon coley and essentially um the brand was started 10 years ago because they saw um, a gap in the market, but they also wanted to be able to give Kiwis more choice. So Chris um, loves surfing, so he was on a surf trip in Fiji and saw all these um, Misaluki bananas, which are the little ones, kind of basically just, you know, all over the road and stuff and and side of the roads because they're just basically not being used. And so Matt, Chris and Simon came together and they were like, what if we could... um, you know, import tasty, delicious bananas that are grown in really natural conditions whilst, always support, whilst also supporting people, you know, in Fiji. So they actually started in Fiji um, and bought bananas over. And unfortunately the first container was basically, um, the bananas were rotten. Oh, so by so the, yeah, by the time that they actually got bananas to sell, um, the thing with misaluki bananas is they actually have to, the skin almost has to be black for them to be like edible. So um, obviously if you buy a bunch of bananas and they're kind of that greeny yellow, you think that they're ready to eat. So then obviously um, we—the the stores that we were able to sell into customers were then not having a very good experience. Mm. <laughs> so, you know. Most people, or some people would maybe throw in the towel then and kind of be like, look, you know what, this is actually really hard work or, you know, this isn't going to work. But they persisted and um, they kind of went further afield and went to Ecuador. And in Ecuador, um, they were able to work with an organisation that was fair Trade certified, so all the farmers um, are fair Trade certified. Um, to actually bring fair trade bananas to New Zealand. So they actually pioneered the banana category 10 years ago. So prior to that, there weren't any fair trade bananas in New Zealand, um, which is super, like it's such a cool thing when you think about it because um, it just meant that they were giving people choice. Um, and unfortunately, the banana industry is actually. Um, It's not a great industry in terms of um, workers' rights and conditions and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about how the business started. And then over the last 10 years, it's just been, um, you know, trying to grow that business and get our bananas into as many stores as possible. Um, And then along with having their banana business, they set up a company called Karma Drinks um in about six years ago and they also have that um company as well which is a um, ethical drinks company
0: mm, and quite separate right so you kind of have your all good team and then the drinks team and you work together but within the same space but it's kind of run as two businesses is that right that's correct hmm. yeah we um as i
1: was saying before we work in a big yellow shed in auckland <laughs> appropriate <laughs> um, but it, for a banana yeah, company yep yeah. But it's great, you know, it's great to be able to um, be in the same office as as the Karma team as well, because everyone really shares the same kind of
0: values. Mm, yeah has that all at the core of it and then your kind of day-to-day business is a bit separate but it must be quite helpful to like bounce things off each other and just have a broader pool of minds and ideas and stuff and so I guess it'd be interesting to hear like operationally for you guys what that looks like kind of business as usual day in the life like is do you have to travel to source products and talk to growers and things like that what is that paint us a picture of kind of life at all good sure so I think
1: um Something that I think is really special about the brand is the relationships that we have developed. Um, You know, Simon, Matt, and Chris have been out to Ecuador and met some of the growers and heard their stories and really kind of, um, you know, really understood the process. Um, We brought a grower out to New Zealand, this was actually before I started, Um, so he could you know basically it was Wilson Sanchez he's appeared in a lot of our kind of campaigns as an illustration so we brought him out to New Zealand and he was able to meet produce managers and you know consumers and it was amazing you know to be able to show to, for him to be able to kind of see banana, the end product on the shelf and for kind of consumers to be able to um, actually meet people that grow their food because I think that whole provenance um, story is is really important to consumers, um, but from you know from an operational point of view, we um, yeah we import the bananas through our distributor who imports them um, as TNG, and we have an amazing relationship with them, um, and they've been really really supportive of the All Good brand, and have definitely helped um, us grow our availability. So we. In foodstuffs, so New World, most New World's pack and saves, Um, and then we have a lot of independent grocers, so like Farrow, Huckleberry, Common Sense, more Wilson's, um, lots of kind of smaller fruit and veggie shops. So, um, yeah, I think you know, logistically, though, bananas is super challenging, you know, they're in a container for approximately three weeks they come to New Zealand they have to go through the MPI process they then go through a ripening process where the you know they're put in a room with some um heat to be able to kind of bring the color up because when they arrive in New Zealand they're you know really green and then you've basically got 24 hours to sell them you know deliver you know get them to deliver to the foodstuff store put them on the shelf. you know this produce manager will put them on the shelf and you know bananas can turn high color go really yellow really quickly um, so it's actually you know in terms of kind of you know TNG works with us on the forecasting they kind of own that process but you know there's a lot of um, moving parts and I was I remember my first day at All Good, the sales manager took me out to the um, TNG site and took me through the whole process and I was just like my mind was blown because I've never ever thought about that in regards to bananas.
0: Yeah. Neither really. Like that's fascinating. (laughs) And it it sounds stressful. Yeah. 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 No,
1: but it's, um, we've got a great team that kind of, you know, do a really good job at kind of managing that whole process. So I have a lot of confidence in them, which makes obviously my job a lot easier. But um, at the end of last year, I actually got to go to Ecuador and meet our growers And honestly, the process at that end, I I knew it on paper, but to actually be there and see the process was unbelievable. You know, you've got these um, small family farms. We actually went to, um, we went to a lot of farms. One of them was Wilson's and he lives, you know, right out in the jungle. And so we drove all the way out there, put gumboots on and went right like deep into the jungle. Um, to look at um, the banana plantations and then they took us through the process of you know cutting the palm down, washing the bananas, um, getting them packaged and ready for um, to get to New Zealand and it honestly is just the amount of manual labor and um, kind of that human impact it just it really really blew my mind the amount of effort that goes into a bunch of bananas. There's
0: so much to it. Yeah, and like we just grab one from the fruit bowl and don't even really think about it. (laughs) And it's such a process, such a life before it gets to us. Exactly, and that's probably one of
1: our challenges in terms of, um, as a brand, is how do you get someone to stop and think about where did this banana come from? Because for a lot of people, a banana is a banana. Um, So yeah, that's definitely a challenge
0: yeah i can imagine because you kind of a big part of it for you must be that kind of influencing the customer choice and education because like there are other options for bananas like you need to get people to choose the fair trade and your bananas and give them that reason and understand the story and things um and a lot of people probably just don't even think twice about it so is that a really big part of your kind of marketing and comms that kind of education piece i guess
1: Absolutely, and I mean we're really lucky um, in in the sense that you know we have this core audience of kind of all good um, loyalists, really, that um, purchase us because they they love the brand and they love what we stand for. And I guess the whole reason we called ourselves all good is because that's what kind of that's what we want to be. We want to be all good in everything that we do. Um, but definitely, education plays a key role. And I guess. You know, we, we do a lot of our kind of marketing activity is uh, social and digital, um, but it's also at that kind of that point of purchase, so that in-store experience. And so we, um, for us, it's about being good for the growers, good for the land and good for you, but everything's underpinned by good fun um, because we want to have fun and, you know, we, we did a campaign um, that's called Say No to the Corporate Banana. And you know, like yeah. we just, it's about kind of trying to engage with consumers in a fun way, but with, a, with quite a serious message. Um, and you know, we, we do that around, um, you know, the fair trade and, and where the bananas come from and try and connect people to the growers. We also have a school pack um, and we go and do talks at schools um, just to you know kids are so interested um, in fair trade and um, you know ethical sourcing and understanding kind of the supply chain and you know like I've talked to to, to kids as young as like six all the way up to kind of high school so um, I think that yeah it's really really cool because you know they're basically the future um, future purchases really for us and Um, you know, to get them thinking about how they can make small changes um, that will have a big impact at the other end of the supply chain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Get them, get them young, and then take, and then they'll take that back to their family and be really excited about it, and bring them along for the ride. Yeah, and I, and that definitely comes across that kind of sense of fun. Like it's really cool to hear that from you because, you know, the consumer end of things that obviously comes across, and just having a personality behind it uh, and that style and your characters and that your brand voice and everything, like it really sets it aside, I guess, and like gives an additional layer in terms of a reason of choosing it, like as well as the actual underpinning values behind it there's also the you know the packaging is always really fun and interesting and that kind of takes us on to the oat milk um which yeah. has been an exciting launch for you guys recently and that obviously really stands out in terms of packaging and, and character and you know my little girl loves it and she drinks oat milk and she likes the little guys on the on the carton and everything yeah so I think that that kind of takes us nicely on to hearing a bit about the oat milk launch and I'm a big oat milk drinker so I'm excited about this uh I'm interested to know like where the genesis of that product launch came from because it's not like the most obvious progression from bananas to oat milk on the surface but i'm sure there's a lot going on behind the scenes so tell us what sparked all of that change or growth i guess
1: yeah so we um you know i think when simon matt and chris set out um with all good i think that they had a vision that it would go beyond um bananas and you know we've done um like we do a little dried a packet of dried bananas Um, those ones are from Samoa Um, and then we do mangoes um, each year but I guess for us we when I came on board about three and a half years ago the oat milk project had already been in discussion and it you know to go from bananas to oat milk does seem a little bit odd but I guess it just comes back down to kind of you know, what we believe in. So good for the growers, good for the land and good for you. And for us, oat milk ticked two of those because we couldn't get fair trade oat milk, but we could get, um, you know, delicious tasting, um, healthy oat milk um, for consumers, so good for you. And then obviously the the carbon footprint of oat um, is so good that, you know, it's good for the land. So that was kind of the trend, you know, that natural transition. Um, We also... Are really big on um, kind of following trends and being up to date with kind of um, what you know what's going on in that kind of health and wellness space and Matt and I went to an expo in the States called Expo West a couple of years ago and it is literally like it was like a sensory overload Um, it was just this huge expo where um, basically there's just I think a hundred thousand people attend and they, um, you know, it's just in that kind of food and beverage and health and wellness space. Um, and, you know, the, the absolute leader there was was plant milks and in particular oat milk. So that kind of validated our thinking around whether or not it was the right product to kind of pursue. Because I think um, up until maybe 6, 12 months ago, I don't think that oat milk was necessarily... Um, That well known in New Zealand, you know, the trend hasn't necessarily hit here like it has in like the states and the UK and even Australia. So yeah, I guess for us it was about, um, you know, for us it's really important to um, for taste and quality. If someone has a, um, you know, if you try something you don't like it or you have a bad experience with something, you're not going to try it again and you're certainly not going to tell people about it. So that's why it took us so long. To, you know to get the product um, to where it is um, and that's also why we actually get the product from sweden so we literally search the globe for the best um, oat milk in the world and unfortunately at the moment um, we just can't we don't have the facilities in new zealand to be able to produce that type of oat milk yeah yeah i've heard that so for us, um, we decided to go to Sweden um, and to, you know, to bring to New Zealand the best oat milk that we could find. Um, so we offset our carbon with Ecos, our shipping um, carbon with Ecos, because obviously for us, sustainability, good for the land, is a big part of our brand, um, and that, you know, it's kind of in terms of our sustainability position we're on a journey and we're kind of continuing to do more initiatives to
0: um just to remain true to our values yeah yeah i was quite interested in that because i knew that it came from sweden and like obviously the oat milk is better for the environment in terms of using less water than making milk from dairy and everything and then i was interested in how you guys do offset that because there's no point getting those benefits from the actual oat milk if it's then you know shipped over here and does lots of damage that way so yeah it's interested to hear how you kind of counterbalanced that and yeah you're right there's no point doing it if it's not the best and the supply chain isn't secure and things as well because um, then you'll be producing it and no one will be drinking it so there's no point yeah that that makes sense um and what about packaging wise because i know i get i always get because i drink we go through a lot of oat milk in this house and i get i get frustrated that that we can't recycle it um with the packaging and the tetra packs and everything is that something that you're that you can work on or is that just a, a fact of life for oat milk
1: um i think you know what you can always improve and i think that's kind of where we are at the moment we did our research on the different types of packaging options and Tetra Pak is actually one of the better ones, um, you know, say compared to glass, not only is glass um, heavier, but, you know, the carbon footprint to produce the glass and then to ship it and then breakages and health and safety, for example. It's also um, a food safety thing, you know, like um, if you go into the um, ambient plant milk um, aisle at the supermarket, every single plant milk is in a tetra because yeah, that's the kind yeah. of the, the safest um, way to serve it at the moment. That's not to say that changes shouldn't be made. And I feel really strongly about um, in getting the infrastructure in New Zealand to be able to recycle that type of packaging. So at the moment, um, they do recycle in Auckland, but n- basically nowhere else in New Zealand. And I got super excited last year because um, there was a press release that came out that said Tetra Pak and a company called New Zealand Plastic Products were going to be building a recycling plant for Tetra in Auckland that would basically have the capacity to recycle the the nation's worth of um, Tetra. And I was just like, oh my (laughs) gosh, this is great. (laughs) And... um, and when I didn't hear anything more about it, I followed it up with Tetra and finally got an answer to say that that project had been basically uh, stopped, which was super disappointing. So for us, it's about finding the right people to campaign to and making sure that we just shout as loud as we can so that our voices are heard, because we absolutely want to find a solution to that, to that challenge that I think a lot of brands face. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah absolutely and like like you say it's just about being like open and knowing that where you where you can do better and working on it and being aware and everything rather than just doing it and just being ignorant about it so yeah it sounds like it's a big part of your journey is kind of figuring all those things out totally and you know we want to be really transparent like
1: we certainly haven't um cracked it in terms of providing the most sustainably packaged um you know product that hasn't yet been made in New Zealand but we're really open about that and you know we just hope that um you know consumers um come on this journey with us because there's so many developments in packaging these days it's incredible so I guess for us it's just making sure that um we just yeah keep communicating to our our customers that it is it is a challenge we face and we're definitely working on it.
0: And a, and a big part of the milk launch for you guys was that you launched it, I think it was basically like three weeks before you we went into lockdown, first time for COVID, like very stressful timing. Um, and like oat milk is obviously a big barista product. So it's big business to business uh, for cafes. And then of course, all the cafes were suddenly closed. So what did what was that like for you guys during that time? And, and did what did you do to kind of have to pivot a little bit
1: yeah, so it was interesting. Uh, so we'd launched about yeah, three weeks before um, the first lockdown and we, had, we actually managed to bring on quite a few accounts. And so obviously with lockdown, um, that revenue stream completely stopped and we weren't in the FMCG space at that time. Um, so we had been working on our online store um, and for us, we had to pivot super fast and get that live. Um, And it actually went gangbusters. Like it was, I remember being in bed um, the night, like the night that we launched it and I saw the first, because like all the orders, I still to this day, every single order that we get, I get um, an email alert because I just love it. And I mean, we're talking about like thousands and thousands and thousands. (laughs) But I remember when that first order came through, I was just like ecstatic because for me, people were choosing to buy six litres of a product that I would say 99% of them hadn't even tried. Mm-hmm. And that's just what was so, um, it was just amazing, you know, like it was, it kind of validated our um, our thinking around why we should bring this product to New Zealand and, and why we should launch it. And, um, you know, people just loved um, getting their deliveries. So, you know, there was a, a huge amount of social content produced um over that period because i think obviously you know people weren't going out so getting a delivery of oat milk with a handwritten note and a chocolate was um actually just made people's day so yeah, yeah
0: it it would was, have been the most exciting
1: yeah, thing to happened then yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much so yeah so um it definitely was a challenging time in the sense that you know i don't think anyone's really kind of experienced what we've experienced with covid before so it's not like you really have a Necessarily a business plan in place for a pandemic when you're a business of our size. But for us, um, it was just about support, you know, keeping in touch with the customers that we had um, bought on. Um, And then also just kind of um, working through a revised strategy around what we do when we come out of lockdown. Because I think that we um, were very aware that there were going to be a lot of businesses that. have been hugely affected especially in that hospitality industry um you know a a lot of businesses wouldn't be reopening or b they would but they wouldn't necessarily wanting to, to be taking on new products but we were so overwhelmed with um the response that we had from from trade in terms of cafes it you know people just they love it they just love the product they love the brand And, you know, for a barista, it's about usability, foamability, and, you know, taste essentially, because it's got to taste good. It's got to um, pair nicely with um, their coffee. Um, So, yeah, so we've been pretty overwhelmed with the response so far. And I think it's just awesome because we're not saying don't drink dairy. We're basically saying, hey, you've got choice. And oat milk is, um, especially our barista blend, when it's foamed up, it's so um, creamy that it really has that mouthfeel of dairy as well. So it's just giving opp- you know people choice and an opportunity to try something new if they want to, you know, flexitarian and they want to um, add kind of have more of a plant-based diet as well.
0: It's probably a bit of a blessing in disguise what, what happened with COVID and everything because it kind of opened up that whole direct to consumer side of things that you might not really have thought was ever going to be such a big part of it. And now it kind of complements the B2B side as well. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's, it's funny. Cause if, if, you, if you just have one oat milk in a cafe, that's so different to ordering like a, a case of six to be delivered to your house. Like, so it's so great that people could kind of take that leap of faith during lockdown. Give Absolutely.
1: It and it just, it was, it was amazing because I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, um, we keep the lights on in the yellow shed because of our amazing customers or the end consumer, so I think that yeah, we're um, yeah, I think it was great that we were able to kind of turn that on really quickly and just kind of get it going um
0: really? yeah, did you have any supply issues or was it were you kind of future proofed enough so it was all right? We were all good for that, so all good, okay. yeah, all good. honestly, the amount of times I say that a day I'm just like oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know I say it all the time I don't even work there yeah. <laughs> yeah oh that's good and I guess because it is does have a decent shelf life on it as well it's a little bit less stressful than the bananas in some way because you've got you know you've got a bit of l- runway on the. yeah push. definitely it's got 12 months shelf life so that makes our lives a whole lot easier mm, rather than <laughs> right that 24 hours <laughs> yeah. of bananas, yeah. which, is, which still is still stressing, stressing me out me just out. thinking yeah. about all those bananas yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so before we kind of wrap up i'd love to look into the future a little bit and uh, obviously you've moved away from the fruit to bring in the oat milk and does that kind of mean that it opens up the doors to a whole range of ethical food options or what does it look like down the road for you guys yeah that's a good question um we are always looking
1: for other opportunities that would fit well within the all good family and sits within that kind of value set that we have So we're definitely open to kind of expanding. Our focus really is on on maintaining and growing our banana business and obviously launching and growing the oat milk business. Um, So yeah, so I don't know what the next product would be. Um, But yeah, definitely, you know, we want to grow the business. So um,
0: yeah, that's
1: kind of, I think, what the future looks like
0: nice it's exciting i look forward to seeing what what comes up next follow along (laughs) all right so we'll let you get back into it but before we do i always like to end pep talk chats with a bit of advice or a tip or a favorite quote if you're that kind of person uh so over to you what you could share with us to take us out yeah
1: i think that um like i do love quotes but for me um i think the word that has kind a word that has stood out in this like kind of covid period is kindness and that's kind of what I think that um that I try and promote a culture of kindness in our business and with our customers and with the end consumer and with our suppliers you know I think that it's a really um challenging scary and weird time for all Kiwis and I think that if people can just um you know live with some kindness then that I think will make things you know a lot better and I think from a business point of view um you know for us kindness is so important it really you know is one of our values so making sure that we kind of live and breathe that every day as well
0: nice I love that and I it, I love hearing when a business and like a you know decently big business has kindness behind it like that I just love that when that comes across when you know it's not too corporate it's like at the end of the day you just you have just to be kind, be kind. And yeah across. So, nice. yeah All right. Well, thank you so much, Faye, for joining us. Really cool to hear your story uh, as well as the all good story and um, what's coming next and everything. So thanks for sharing it all with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. I'm always so fascinated to hear just the ins and outs of different kinds of businesses and like how they work day to day so the all good story there did not disappoint especially how hectic it must be with those bananas with their 24 hour shelf life make sure that you keep an eye out for that little black all good sticker on your bananas next time you're doing your food shopping and give oat milk a try if you haven't already trust me it is amazing If you're listening to this episode around the time that it comes out, I also suggest that you head on over to the Pep Talk Instagram page, which is at Pep Talk NZ, because we have an exciting giveaway with all good kicking off so that you can try their amazing oat milk for yourself. Thanks for joining us today for another chat. I really am just super grateful for all of the support and to all of you guys for being part of the pep talk community. Together, we have actually just clocked 10,000 downloads since we launched. And I'm just really also super blown away by all of the support that you guys are giving back to these amazing New Zealand businesses during what is a pretty crap year all round. So thank you. Thanks for being part of it. Until next time, bye.